1: And welcome to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by www.us.cision.com, whose world-famous Bacon's Media Database is updated more than 10,000 times per day. Take your PR to the next level. Now, here's your host, Maureen Kettis.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to PR Insider, and uh, happy spring. And I am pleased to say... That I am not the longest and oldest practitioner of public relations on the planet, so I have someone who actually beats me (laughs) (laughs) coming on the show today. He's a PR veteran who has 35-year career. Um, He is Peter V. Stanton. He's the founder of Stanton Communications. You can find their website, Stanton.com. That's Stanton and then c o m m dot com. He founded that in 1989, and um, he had 17 years of prior communications experience. Um, including nearly a decade as an officer of um, the global PR firm MSNL Publicis. And he's created innovative programs to address complex communication requirements for corporations, nonprofits, uh, institutions, issue coalitions, and he's even advised heads of state um, on communications and coordinated media for three papal visits to the United States, which I want to hear about, And he's the recipient of numerous awards, um, including multiple silver anvils and gold quills, which are the highest honors presented in the public relations profession. Peter Stanton, welcome.
2: Thank you very much. And uh, when I began my career all those years ago, I had a lot more hair, too.
0: (laughs) He lost your hair. Well, mine's turning gray, so, you know, (laughs) soon it's going to start falling out. We all have something. So, so thirty five years does it feel like thirty five years
2: no, it doesn't and uh, when you say it that way uh, or I reflect on it uh it it really um, has gone by quickly uh it's been an exciting um, career it's been very diverse it continues to be very challenging uh, and uh, and and it's a lot of fun it it this is a wonderful field and despite all of the turmoil that's going on these days uh, in the media world, uh, this continues to be a very dynamic and exciting uh, profession and, and one that I'm delighted to be a part of.
0: You know, and I think that positive attitude is, is probably has a lot to do with your success because I remember when I first wanted to go into the business, I consulted with another publicist and she said, oh, this is a terrible field, you can't make any money and it's all the same after a while. And I found it can be very lucrative, and the learning curve is always there because you're always learning about a new client or a new industry.
2: Well, you know, one of the things that has appealed to me has been the diversity. Uh, When I was uh, working uh, at Manning, Salvage & Lee, now MSL, uh, and in my own firm, uh, we were not specialized in one particular industry or type of public relations practice, um, whether it be crisis communication or public affairs. We were diversified firms, and Stanton Communications still is very much a diversified firm. And that diversity is is very appealing and enriching, and it it provides uh, experiences that can be translated to other industries and other circumstances. So um, I'm... I'm disappointed to hear that someone <laughs> sort of hit that wall. Yeah. Uh, maybe it would be time to uh, uh, really seriously consider the tiki bar on the beach if you talking <laughs> to that point.
0: <laughs> well, I think you know. I think you know. Although everyone always says that, one of the first questions they say to you is, "What you know?" To me, anyways, you know, what do you specialize in? Mm-hmm. And I think um, specializing can really lead to you know being able to sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel with every client you get. They're kind of the same and blah, blah. Whereas if you diversify, you have a lot more interest and you can add value to, for your, your your clients as well.
2: Well, we like to say that we're di- we are specialists in communication. And if you think of it in those terms, then you've got a tremendously broad portfolio uh, of experience to draw from, uh, a tremendously... Uh, diverse set of tools uh, to apply to uh, a, a challenge or a need uh, or a business requirement, and you've, and you've got a lot of opportunity to uh, be creative. Mm-hmm. And that's the other exciting part of this mm-hmm. field. It, it, doesn't, um, it doesn't lend itself to uh, a simple cookie-cutter approach to every situation.
0: Right, no formula. Yep. No formula. So take us back uh, 35 years ago. Uh, before you decided to launch into PR. What were you doing, and what made you think you wanted to go this way?
2: Uh, well, <laughs> to be honest about it, I didn't train for this field, and it was interesting that at that point, uh, when I when I did come into public relations, uh, there were not an awful lot of people who had gone through college thinking that uh, they were going to enter the public relations field. Uh, there was a tremendous amount of... Um, uh, diversity in the degrees that were represented in the field. In my own situation, my degrees were in psychology. I thought that I would go into counseling psychology and, uh, you know, help people uh, have a better life. And I tried that for a little while, and and kind of decided that maybe I wasn't necessarily the best at, at what I thought was right for me. And I found a position that was a public relations position uh, and thought that I would give it a try. And uh, I have to confess, I always thought, not having been formally trained for the profession, I would soon be found out and and, uh, expelled uh, from the uh, society. Uh, But um, it's now been 35 years, and uh, I've grown up and I've, learned a lot of things, and the people in this field have been tremendously generous with their uh, experience and their intelligence and their guidance, and uh, uh, And now uh, I find I'm continuing to learn and to grow and, and be part of something that uh, is very rewarding.
0: Well, if you, if you follow the history of PR, I mean, it really was created out of nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so I think we all kind of, I mean, those of us without PR degrees, I'm one of them, I have an English degree, but... Um, we sort of feel like did we dupe somebody, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the, you know what is the training in PR? In fact, I've had people say to me, "Gosh, when I meet when I meet a, a prospective agency that I want to bring on, and they have PR as their major, I think, oh no, not for us, yeah. because it doesn't give you uh, necessarily a, a bird's eye view if you're so specific." So, so, uh, so, thirty five years ago, you you know you you went into this field, and then you've just been running ever since. So what has what do you think has been the secret to lasting?
2: Well, because people uh, don't
0: make it. There's people that don't make it.
2: There are and and I I, w- I wish I could tell you what the secret is. I, th- I think first of all and and you know, this is a this is a bit trite but it's very very true. You have to love what you do. Mm-hmm. And I I do love what I do. I do feel that uh, back to my original hope for a career. I am helping, um, if not individuals, then my clients and and uh, the people who make up those corporations and organizations uh, better, and and help them achieve their business objectives, which is critically important. So, in that respect, it's it's rewarding and and uh, and you know, at this stage of my career, I'm I'm being granted the privilege of working with some very, very talented and dynamic and and um, brilliant young professionals who are teaching me new things, mm-hmm. and that's keeping it fresh. Yeah.
0: So what do you think, I mean, because we talk a lot about new media, but mm-hmm. do you think the new media cha- you know, shift and change has been the greatest shift in the PR field since you've been aboard, or, or is it –
2: something else. Well, you certainly can't overlook it. Uh, (laughs) It is a sea change. uh, But, you know, I I was thinking about this question um, recently in an interview that I was doing with a candidate for our firm. And, you know, when I came into the field, uh, really superior writing was the prerequisite. Mm -hmm. You had to know how to organize your thoughts. And be able to produce uh, cogent and crisp and and compelling mm-hmm. uh, written material. Mm-hmm. And now, I, I think that the emphasis on writing is less of a prerequisite. It's still very important, and I don't mean to to suggest otherwise. But but to be perfectly honest, the quality of the writing has declined, and I think it has declined not just in the PR profession, but Across the board, I think we see this to a certain extent in the media, uh, and um, and we see it in other fields as well. I think social media and the rise of the internet have accelerated that a little mm-hmm. bit.
0: I think a uh, lot. I think you know that's something that's been documented.
2: Yes, and, and you know you see emails and you see uh, oh. tweets and things that you know are just ill-conceived. Mm-hmm. and um it's something that quite honestly as a firm we have to continue to work on we're not perfect in this regard and, and we trip over our shoelaces from time to time but um you know I, I i as i reflect on the on the process and the business of communication you used to be able to point to good writing as as the uh the the fundamental requirement and the common denominator and it is far less so now than it was Thirty-five years ago.
0: That's sort of depressing <laughs> for me, <laughs> being an English major. You know, because I <clears throat> I wince when I see um, you know blatant errors. You know, not typos, but typos we've all kind of gotten used to, which is strange. But really, you know, unclear writing where you don't know what they're referring to when they say that it and the thing.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: it drives me. Nuts.
2: Well, and what it does is it it uh, really um, brings or writing excellence when you see it. And so when there is a a newspaper article or a magazine story uh, or even a a good press release or an opinion piece that a public relations person might have produced, uh, when you see it, it is so refreshing and it is so rewarding that someone has taken the time to make sure they've gotten it right.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely true, and it does stand out. Um, we're going to have to take a break, but when we come back, I want to talk about new, more, some more new media and how you've made this shift, okay. um, because I think people who've been in careers for a long time have trouble making that shift. Um, it's very hard. You have to really adapt to stay alive. And I also want to talk to you about your opinion on traditional media, and then I have some questions that people typed in. So when we come back from this break, we will be back with PR veteran Peter Stanton, founder of Stanton Communications. Find him at stanton.com with 2M.com. We'll be back in a minute.
1: Don't be manipulated, brainwashed, and controlled by the cartel-based money crooks. It's time to wake up, America. Join host Scott Leifer for a program about the truth. The truth that these scheming money crooks don't want you to hear. You need to get this information so that you can be empowered and not badgered by the media. Tune into Wake Up, America, and find your why with Scott Leifer. Broadcasting live every Friday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. What is whole person healing via body, via mind, and via spirit? It's a dedication to the widest selection of healing practices worldwide whenever possible. Hosted by Professor Rustam Roy, a noted materials scientist and the founder of Friends of Health, who will be here each weekend with the most in-depth information about whole person healing from the world's leading practitioners, spokespersons, and major supporters for this viewpoint. Tune in every Saturday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
2: This is your host,
0: Maureen Kettis, and I'm on with Peter Stanton, founder of Stanton Communications, and um, he is a veteran of all veterans in PR. He's been uh, doing it for 35 years, and uh, I just found out one of his secrets during a break, and that is he, got, he coerced his children into working for the firm. <laughs> so talk about PR for life. It's PR for life and family. Yeah,
2: we're Wondering building the legacy, well. I guess. What? We're building the legacy.
0: Yes. That's, so that's wonderful. I think it's just amazing. Um, and one of his – his daughter is a, a journal, journalist and journalism major, and the son is a business major, and they're helping run, run the shop. I think that's great. So we were talking about shifts in um, public relations, and, and um, I want to, to get your take on how you personally and also your firm dealt with all this new media in the last – 10 years, the explosion, especially in the last five years. and How have you coped and dealt with it and learned?
2: Well, we've had to learn, and uh, we've had to move very quickly. And thankfully, uh, our young professionals have helped us accomplish that. Uh, we have now developed very um, sophisticated and, and uh, complete social media programs for clients across numerous industries Uh, We have had to uh, develop our own skills. In my case, this was uncharted territory, and it was those young professionals in our firm who grew up with these uh, platforms and an understanding of how they worked uh, who made it possible for me to develop an understanding. I still uh, present to prospective clients and to existing clients uh, that these young people are the experts, what I bring to the table is an understanding of how those uh, channels of communication can be combined with more traditional uh, media to make for a dynamic and rich and and complete uh, uh, communication initiative.
0: So, so, in terms of traditional media, I mean, I've had guests on my show say, "Oh, you know, tra- traditional media is dead," and I'm of a different opinion. But I want to get your take on, you know. Do you feel it's going to die out eventually, or you feel that it's, it's here to stay? And
2: I certainly hope not. I believe that that uh, uh, the the traditional media, and by that I, I mean newspapers, magazines, the the major wire services, uh, the broadcast networks, and radio and television are critically important to our society, our our uh, national and international society. They serve a critically important service, uh, provide a critically important service, and more important, I think that all of them are in a unique position, especially now with the uh, explosion of of non-traditional media and internet-based, to provide depth and detail and perspective and analysis and opinion in ways that uh, some of the social media platforms just probably will never be able to do. And given that we are all deluged with information. Uh, We need somebody to help us understand what's important, how should we interpret it, how can we put it into perspective. And in that regard, um, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Washington Post, and all of the traditional names that are so important um, probably have never been more important. And uh, at least at our firm, we continue to place a great deal of emphasis on ensuring that um, our clients are well-represented and understood by those media.
0: Right, and, it's, and they're symbiotic. I mean, you're in one, if you're in traditional media, you'll end up in, in new media and, and vice versa. Well, well,
2: and that's the one dynamic that I think is sometimes overlooked. We have a, uh, a, a media core that uh, is under a great deal of pressure now to produce far more than their, uh, uh, than their predecessors were called upon to do and so not only will a practicing journalist be required to meet a deadline for the printed printed publication they'll be writing for the internet and they'll be blogging and they'll be doing multiple other tasks and there are fewer specialists who uh, concentrate on a single industry or a single subject matter uh, and now far more journalists are by default generalists and so there is a really, a, a, they face a daunting challenge, and I think that that helps to create an opportunity for public relations professionals to uh, fill in the blanks and provide uh, uh, assistance. But just to complete the, the thought, many of those generalists are looking for uh, subject matter experts utilizing social media platforms to find them. And in our own experience, we have uh, been able to identify great opportunities uh, in major media by responding to uh, tweets that ended up being from a journalist looking for someone who could provide uh, an informed perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 That's amazing. <laughs> so you were talking about, you know, the, sort of the, the international effect of um, an importance that uh, traditional media has, and. You've recently been appointed to chairman of the ECP Global. Mm-hmm. Um, explain to the audience what ECP Global is and um, why you're involved with them and, and, and how you hope to help them grow.
2: Well, I, it's a tremendous honor. And uh, at this point in one's career to uh, be elected to a, a position that, where you are chairing an international organization that's comprised of independent uh, public relations and communications consultants from around the world is, is a great tribute. And uh, I, I'm deeply uh, appreciative of the honor that they have granted me. ECP Global uh, is an alliance of independent uh, communications consultancies. Uh, it was formed over 10 years ago Uh, and now uh, has members uh, from around the world on virtually every continent. Uh, No one in Antarctica at this point. (laughs) uh, And what we do is we, first of all, serve needs of clients uh, that are shared among the the members of the consortium, Uh, but we also share best practices and insights and knowledge uh, at meetings that are convened twice a year. Uh, We are... Uh, fairly selective in terms of the membership of the organization. Uh, It's not a group that, uh, like some uh, international uh, aggregations of PR firms, you simply sign a check and then you're in. Uh,
1: There is a vetting
2: process, and we want to know that uh, the members of ECP Global have uh, the depth of experience and and the capability to serve client needs and provide value to the other partners. it's, it, it has been in that regard a, a very enriching uh, organization for me personally and for Stanton Communications, uh, and uh, we're at an exciting point in our uh, evolution. We're growing and we're attracting a great deal of interest from prospective uh, partners. So it's a, good, it's, a, it's a very interesting time to s- suddenly find oneself uh, in the chairman seat.
0: And, and, yeah, what are your goals for the organization?
2: Well, we want to continue the growth. Uh, we want to do it prudently. We'll probably never be the biggest uh, international consortium of communications firms, uh, but we want to have, we w- we'd like to be the best and we'd like to have uh, uh, the excellence of the communication profession around the world represented in our organization. I think the other thing that w- is going to continue to be a major priority is to ensure that there is this knowledge sharing and uh, information exchange uh, that's so important. You know, we're really living in a networked world, and whether we intend it or not, all of our communications and all of our outreach on behalf of clients is inevitably international. And so um, gaining an understanding of different cultures, sharing an understanding of how the media work in different areas of the world and they do work differently in other oh, countries. Yeah. Um, but also understanding the commonalities will continue to be critically important.
0: Right. And if and if a firm wants to be considered to be part of the consortium, what do they have to do?
2: Well, uh, simply get in touch with me or uh, visit the website, ecpglobal.com, and um, we'll be happy to uh, share the information on uh, membership and uh, engage in that discussion. It, it would We'd love to hear from you.
0: So at Stanton uh, Communications, your firm, you're located in Baltimore, New York, and... Help Washington, D.C. And D.C. And so what are some of the... What, what are some of the accounts either that you're working on now or that you want to share with us that are sort of your pride and joy?
2: Well, uh, we don't have a client that we aren't very proud of. Uh, <laughs> every one of them... Uh, had the opportunity to select another firm. Every one of them had the choice to make, and so the fact that they chose us is is a tremendous source of pride for us. There are a lot of good firms in our business, and most of them are doing good work, and I think what differentiates Stanton Communications is our emphasis on strategy that supports business objectives, and so when we are working for Sprint on the launch of new handheld devices, when we're working for W.L. Gore and Associates, the makers of the Gore-Tex brand of products, when we're working for clients in the electric utility industry or for Corinthian colleges, which is one of the leading um, uh, educators in the for-profit education sector. Uh, These are all clients that are critically important to us, and, and we're grateful that they have... Place their confidence in us.
0: How do you? How does your company, How does Stanton go about finding their business?
2: Well, the largest percentage of our business still comes from referrals. Um, of course, given the economy, there are quite a few more RFPs, uh, and some of the RFPs are um, also part of the referral process.
0: Um, for those of are, the, you who don't know what RFPs, it stands for Request for Proposal. Right. Ad agencies and PR agencies work with. Oh, I'm getting the music from Justin. All right, we're going to talk more about um, how you find your business and how the economy has affected your business uh, when we get back after a word from our sponsors.
1: show.
0: Welcome back again and we've been talking with Peter Stanton of Stanton Communications at stantoncom.com but I found if you also type in stantoncommunications.com you get there anyway. Um, He's had a 35 year career and we were talking, um, Peter, uh, before the break about um, how you get your business. You were saying referral Mm -hmm. mainly and is there any other way of... Well,
2: um, you know, because of the economy, the process of business development has been much more competitive. And so there are requests for proposal that inevitably we are responding to. Even the referrals that we receive uh, often lead to an RFP uh, because uh, companies don't want to just open up their opportunities to all comers, but they want to be somewhat selective and Mm -hmm. But there is still a competitive process, and it's something that we take very seriously. Uh, but I have to tell you, our real emphasis is on making sure that we are serving our existing clients uh, in, in a superlative way. If we do that well, then we will grow with our existing clients. And that has really been our business model since our founding in Keeping, keeping
0: people happy.
2: Yeah, how,
0: many pe- how many people do you have on staff there?
2: We have 40 people in our nice. three
0: Nice. Big. That's lovely, and two of them are related to you, but not working directly underneath you no 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 <laughs> he's like, no no, no, I'm not going to be my kid's boss
2: <laughs> <laughs> I did
0: that for twenty years now it's time to move on um so uh, uh what what if you have a young person that's coming into the business, what skills would you tell them that they need now if they're interested in, in a similar career to yours
2: well uh it It's still important in our firm that um, everyone be uh, good writers. And so we will look at their uh, cover letters almost more intensely than we will look at their resumes. Uh, If they don't have a a tremendous depth of experience, but they are uh, well-skilled in expressing themselves, uh, that's something that we'll give them a great deal of credit for and, and pay very close attention to uh in in the interview process being able to communicate uh in in a very uh organized and intelligent and and compelling fashion is very important we can pretty quickly weed out those candidates who may have a good resume but just don't have the ability to express themselves
0: uh, they don't and have so, good people skills
2: well and you know <laughs> People skills are important. It's it, it's vitally important. We're, we're in a communication business. We're in a people business. So you've got to be able to work well with one another. You've got to be able to communicate your uh, uh, issues and your challenges. Uh, but at the end of the day, we also have to deliver uh, uh, client service excellence. That is the focus of our firm. Right. And it's the reason that I started the firm in the first place. Uh, and so if we can develop professionals who uh, are going to be committed to the client, who are going to share their knowledge and experience with their colleagues and combine their talents in a way that will produce an outstanding result for the client, Uh, then we've got a great team. And and I've got to tell you, we've got a great
0: team. Oh, that's wonderful. So I want to talk about, um, you know, on your bio, you talk about um, these papal visits to the United States. Now, what... How in the heck would you handle that from a PR perspective?
2: Well, let's be clear. Uh, it certainly was not a one-man. Uh, oh, of course <laughs> <laughs> and in You and the e-
0: Pope hanging out.
2: Yeah, well, uh, I wish. <laughs> but uh, in each of those experiences, we were very privileged uh, to be selected by uh, the, the United States Catholic Conference or the U.S. Conference of Bishops to provide support. And, uh, that really was our role. We became part of a, of a team, a diversified team of professionals, and our responsibilities were a little different in each case, but in every case, uh, we touched, uh, pretty much all of the media relations aspects, uh, of uh, these visits, which in in each case involved multiple events on every day and uh, very, very large contingents of uh, uh, of working journalists. Uh the first visit that we handled uh was uh, probably upwards of about sixteen thousand journalists from around the world covering events that unfolded over a period of ten days.
0: And you had to have security and so so give us a give us a, a breakdown of what that was I mean you know, we've all done, well, not we've all done, but many of us have done celebrity events and media frenzies, but I think this is on a whole nother level. This is probably, this is bigger than the uh, Madonna concert.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how the Pope would feel about that analogy. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, so uh, me,
0: you
2: know, you know it's, it it's he, very big, and, and there is um, uh, intensive security because the Pope is a head of state, and so he is accorded, United States Secret Service uh, protection while he is on US soil and all of the media logistics and and access to the events and to proximity to the Pope are uh, to a certain extent um, you know
1: approved and
2: and uh, uh, coordinated with the Secret Service. Uh, the biggest challenge is when you have a relatively small event uh, and you have, Uh, many hundreds or even thousands of journalists who want access to determine who gets in, how to balance the uh, access over a period of multiple events and multiple days so that everybody comes away feeling as if they were Mm well-treated.
0: So you Uh, had a team of several different firms, I imagine.
2: Well, we had a team of professionals, and uh, there were firms involved in other aspects of uh, these events from – uh, firms involved with staging, lighting, sound, and uh, production to uh, the church itself. I mean, the church's own communications professionals are are very, very uh, experienced and skilled and and capable of doing these kinds of things. And, and really, we worked at their direction. Uh, so uh, it, it, it's a big undertaking. It's a highly coordinated undertaking. If nothing else, it teaches you the importance of being organized. Mm-hmm. And it also teaches you how to go without sleep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no sleeping! Oh my God! Yes, I mean I, I myself have done um, some, you know, big international thing. Nothing on that scale, but pretty pretty big events that involve several different uh, people. And it's you know one person has to take the helm, and then you have to sort of follow the lead and and uh, follow all the rules. And it's a constant shift and flux and.
2: And and things change uh, yeah. as as the agenda and the program is unfolding. Uh, but the thing I think you talked about how very different this is, it certainly is, to your point, extraordinarily different from anything I can possibly think to compare it to in terms of complexity and logistics and, and structure. But I think the other dimension that is... Uh, important is the fact that it is extraordinarily different in terms of how moving and how emotional and how really very spiritual these events are even when for example uh, it's a youth event on a giant ball field and there are uh, 50 to 100,000 kids screaming uh, as they might be for a rock star <laughs> uh, or you you know a mass in Yankee Stadium as was the case just recently and you realize that uh this is Old Yankee Stadium. Pretty soon, it won't be here anymore, or it won't be the uh, iconic venue that it has been. And uh, the Pope has chosen to come there and and celebrate Mass with uh, fifty to one hundred thousand people, and and it's it's incredibly moving, and and you just can't get away from that.
0: Would you want to do something on that scale again, or would that's enough for you? <laughs>
2: uh, you know, if I was granted that privilege again, I would jump at
0: the opportunity. Wow. You have see that's that's why you've been in the business for so long. You have the energy to <laughs> keep keep going. When you were working with uh, global partners, and I, I've had this experience myself, are are there s- similarities, similarities, differences, or obstacles that really make an impression on you that are hard to overcome, or uh, what's the what are the biggest challenges?
2: You know, one of the things that's been so impressive about the work that I've been able to do with my partners in ECP Global is that there are differences in the way communication programs might be structured or carried out, and certainly differences in the media in other countries. But at the end of the day, among our partners, um, ethics, client service excellence, the focus on the client is critically important. And those are commonalities regardless of culture or regardless of uh, country uh, where um, I've found a a great deal of um, consistency. And I think in ECP Global, we're looking for ways to build on those commonalities, to leverage experiences. Uh, We've got partners who have handled um, complex public affairs initiatives in Europe uh, but their expertise and their experience is directly applicable to uh, work that we might be doing here in the United States. Uh, and so that uh, knowledge and that experience and that emphasis on client services is, is what is, um, I think, consistent regardless of your location around the world. And
0: how do you physically meet? Is it um, you meet in a location? or mm-hmm. meet
2: Yeah, we people? get together twice a year, and uh, the responsibility for hosting the media Meetings uh, tend to rotate among the partners. Our most recent meeting was in Paris, just in time for a volcano, uh, to oh. keep us all there longer than we anticipated.
0: Oh, you poor thing. You were Oh, yes. Stranded in Paris. That's such Stranded a in Paris. <laughs> really,
2: th- torture. Uh, and our next meeting is uh, scheduled for the fall in Geneva, and uh, uh, after that we'll be in uh, Sweden, and uh, we'll probably be in the United States soon thereafter.
0: Hopefully, you'll be hosting it. Well, we're going to uh, stop and take another break. I'm getting the sign from uh, Justin Jackman over in the engineers' booth. And um, we will be back after this word from our sponsor. <music>
1: Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's vertexp com. Communicate to the Vertex. Vertex. the show.
0: And welcome back again. I'm on with Peter Stanton. If you just joined us, and don't forget, you can uh, archive our show anytime. If you missed any of this show or any other show, you can always go on uh, the website uh, at Voice America Business. Just type in PR Insider and you'll find us. And You'll find all our ar- archive shows. Peter, welcome back.
2: Glad to be here. Thank you.
0: Uh, we were talking about on the break about, you know, one thing we didn't tap on in, uh, in terms of the economy. Um, was a lot of big firms and mid-sized firms and smaller firms have consolidated and partnered up. um, And how has that impacted the industry, in your opinion?
2: Well, I think this is one of the um, very interesting dynamics that has occurred in the public relations and communications agency business, uh, at least over the course of my career. Uh, You've seen these uh, foreign holding companies acquire Uh, many of the biggest firms, uh, firms that at one point were arch competitors, and now they're all partners under the same parent. And it raises, I think, an important question. And the question is, where is the emphasis? Is the emphasis on investors and meeting the uh, requirement to return value to the investors, or is the emphasis on clients? And we've had a sufficient number of what we refer to as refugee clients who led the big firms uh, because they felt as if they just were not being properly attended to. And in an independent firm, we can take a longer perspective. Uh, we're looking to grow with our clients. We're looking to meet their business objectives. We're uh, happy to adjust uh, to the challenges they face as budgets have been flow with economic difficulties. Uh, and I think a question has to be asked, you know, are you really able to uh, look beyond uh, the quarterly metric that you've got to produce for your investors uh, and really pay attention to your clients? Right. Is
0: that the main reason that you've held your independence?
2: It's It's critically important. It's critically important. And I must say it is the ethic that I was... Uh, raised with when I joined the public relations agency business uh, really back in the early 80s. And there was a uh, a fierce um, devotion to the client. And I remember the chairman of that firm um, sitting in the office of a brand-new, freshly-minted account executive, me, and saying the most important thing that you have to do is take care of your clients, grow with them over time, as I have done, and maybe one day you'll be chairman of the board. And along the way, that firm sort of lost its way, and, and it, the emphasis was on simply winning the next new piece of business, get the next one in the door, let's hurry up, we've got to keep the pipeline replenished. Over 20 years of uh, running Stanton Communications, I've found that it's possible to build and grow a business, focusing on your clients, growing with them over time, and really being their partner and uh, if that means that you know we've had to turn away from opportunities to uh sell our business and uh you know cash out um, it's been more rewarding to do this than than uh, turn away from your fundamental principles
0: what what are some of the things you look for when you that are taking on a new client? Are there any factors that you look for or anything any things you stay away from?
2: The most important thing that we look for is are we really able to do a good job for this client? Um, are their needs and our skills and capabilities and experience um, in alignment? Uh, we just don't serve ourselves or the client at all well if we pretend that we have uh, the requisite experience or capability uh, that they need if we don't and we have referred business uh, that was enormously attractive and that we felt we might ultimately be able to do but it would have required such a daunting learning curve that mm-hmm. um we just didn't feel that it would be the responsible thing to represent to the client that we could do it um you know but uh you know i think that's the critical the, the main criteria that we uh, focus on is, can we have an impact on our clients' business priorities? Can we help them achieve those goals? And if we feel confident that we can do so, uh, then, um, you know, we're excited about the opportunity to pursue that challenge. Um, so as we wrap up
0: this show, and, and you, you know, you've, you've been, you've sort of told us sort of your secrets for, for staying in it for the long haul, and that's really servicing the clients. What is the legacy that you want to leave behind now that you have your children working for you? What do you want in the end to look back and say, I did that? What is it that makes you most proud?
2: Well, I think uh, there are a number of things that I'm proud of. I think maintaining our independence and staying true to our founding principles. But, you know, we we had a, uh, a little program with Clients, We organized a a little panel and we asked them, what are you most looking for from a firm? And they said, you know, um, we can always find someone to write a press release or call the media or help us do the day-to-day tasks, but we're all under a tremendous amount of pressure and we've got withering demands that we face. And the most important thing that a firm can do for us is to help us think. And at Stanton Communications, that's what you do. You help us think. That's why we have engaged you. And so that is probably, uh, you know, the greatest tribute that I could have received. And and what's exciting is that we've been able to attract a very high quality of professional to our firm. They are all strong communicators, but probably more than anything else, they are strong thinkers. And this includes the youngest professional in our firm as well as those who have Uh, many years of experience, Uh, they are not simply order takers who are, uh, you know, making the latest call and then sitting back and waiting for the next instruction. They're thinking ahead. They're paying attention to the client's needs. They're bringing forward fresh ideas. It's a great environment to work in, and I'm really privileged to have those folks on my team.
0: Wonderful. And are you still in the growing mode?
2: We are. We are. Uh, Send us your resumes. (laughs)
0: I will do. Yeah, we
2: like to think that we might actually be one of those few companies in America that are actually hiring.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah, I think it's um, public relations firms and attorneys are <laughs>
2: doing
0: well right now. Well, that's all the time we have left today. I really want to thank you. It's been very informative and and, and actually very sort of encouraging for me because you you uh, underscored a lot of what I feel inside, and it's nice to hear that someone else feels the same way. I want to thank my incredible guest, uh, Peter Stanton. Find him at stantoncom.com. And my incredible, handsome, and elegant executive producer, John missile, and the sexy and ubiquitous Justin Jackman, our engineer. This is your host, Maureen Caddis. Have a great week. Don't forget to relate to your public, whoever they may be.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks again for listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by Cision, helping communications experts navigate the sea of social media. Visit them on the web at us.cision.com. And make sure you join us again next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. Have a great week.